0: Okay, now, on to Luke chapter 4. Jesus preached it. Jesus produced it. And Jesus calls us to partner with him in it. Let's pray and then we'll keep going. God, you are the God of faithfulness. You are the God of abundance. You are the God of provision. Would you provide for us now by opening our ears and our hearts and depositing the treasure of the gospel there. Help us to hear the good news this morning. Help us to receive the good news this morning. Help us to become participants in the good news this morning We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, very early on in Jesus' public ministry, he went to the synagogue. It was the synagogue that he probably was at on every Sabbath his whole life up to this point. This is the synagogue where he grew up. It was his home church. And he began to preach about the rest and reign of God. And then as soon as he left the synagogue, he went out into the streets and into the village and he began to produce in people's lives the rest and reign of God. And as Jesus preached and produced the rest and the reign of God, he also called ordinary people like you and like me to participate with him in the preaching of and the producing of God's rest and reign. So Jesus walks into the synagogue, the synagogue he grew up in, and he makes the most astounding claim that you could imagine. He walks into the synagogue, and on this particular Sabbath— He stood up and read, as was customary in that setting. He stood up and read, and he took the scroll of Isaiah. Uh, Now, in, in those days, there weren't books. Everything was written on scrolls. And so he took out the scroll of Isaiah, and he rolled, he scrolled to Isaiah chapter 61, and he read this. He read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled the scroll up. Nothing too surprising yet. But then he said this, today, this scripture Has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the one about whom the prophet Isaiah spoke some 750 years ago. I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the one who has been anointed to proclaim and produce the rest and reign of God in people's lives. And according to the passage from Isaiah 61 that Jesus read, the rest and reign of God that we are invited to enter into, the rest and reign of God that we are invited to participate with Jesus in looks like at least four things. Did you hear them? When Jesus read from Isaiah 61, he read that this rest and reign looks like at least these four things. First of all, bringing good news to the poor. Secondly, proclaiming release to the captives and freedom for those who are oppressed. And third, proclaiming recovery of sight for those who are blind. And then fourth, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. So I just want to walk through these four things, these four aspects of the rest and reign of God that Jesus preaches and then immediately goes out and starts producing in people's lives And then invites you and me to participate with him in that. So first of all, Jesus brings good news to the poor. Now, did you notice that word brings? Jesus doesn't write about the good news, put it in an envelope, seal it up, and mail it to the poor. Jesus shows up among the poor. And he brings with him good news for those Who are poor. He enters into the context of the poor. He identifies with the poor. And this is what God does in Jesus, right? I mean, we're going to celebrate this at Christmas here in just a few weeks the reality that God has come to live among us and to identify with us. But it does raise the question well, who are the poor that Jesus is talking about? Well, in Greek, in the original language that our New Testament was written in, in Greek, there are two words for poor people. Penis and patokoi. Penis and patokoi. Two different words in Greek referring to those who are poor. Penis are those who work their fingers to the bone 12 hours a day. They've got three jobs and they still are barely able to scrape by. Those are penis. But Tokoy, those are people who have absolutely nothing and they know it. They are the destitute. I had a friend who was a missionary in Guatemala for a number of years. And when he went there, he realized, oh, this, I, I now am seeing abject poverty. Because the people he was working with didn't even have opportunities there, there was no uh, social insurance. There was nothing. They were those who were objectively poor, the beggarly poor, the destitute, the empty handed. These are the potokoi. And Jesus says that he brings good news to the potokoi, the beggarly poor. And while Jesus certainly here means to refer to people who are literally financially destitute. I mean, that, those are the people whom Jesus is speaking about. But those are not the only people that Jesus is talking about. Jesus comes and brings good news to anyone who, I love how William Barclay puts this, anyone who has realized his own utter helplessness and who has put his whole trust in God. And this is the reality often with those who are, who are without resources they realize that they are utterly dependent and jesus is saying i have come to bring good news to any and all who realize their utter helplessness and so who have therefore put their whole trust in god and god alone the rest and reign of god is good news for the poor good news for those who realize that they're spiritually bankrupt utterly helpless without god jesus brings good news to folks like that folks like me folks perhaps like you secondly jesus proclaims release to the captives and freedom to those who are oppressed And it raises a question for us, just like who are the poor Jesus is speaking about? Who are those who need to be released? Who are the oppressed? Who are the captives? Well, certainly Jesus was speaking about sex slaves. Certainly Jesus was speaking about children in India who spend 14 hours a day rolling cigarettes. Certainly Jesus was speaking about those who are oppressed by mental illness. Uh, Certainly Jesus is speaking about those who are held captive by addiction to pornography or substance abuse. Certainly Jesus was referring to those who are under this unbearable weight of oppressive debt, whether it was because of their own choices or not. Certainly Jesus is speaking about those who are burdened by our culture's intense pressure to look a certain way, to act a certain way, to live a certain lifestyle. Now it's beginning to sound like a whole bunch of us might be those captives who need freedom and those oppressed who need to be set free. Jesus announces freedom. Freedom that is found in him, freedom that shuts up the voices that says, you are too short, you are too tall, you are too skinny, you are too fat, you are too pale, you are too young, you are too old, you are too out of fashion, you are too Christian. Isn't this good news? Jesus shuts up those voices and he proclaims freedom. Freedom from all those burdens. Freedom from all of that kind of slavery and that kind of oppression. Jesus proclaims freedom. Thirdly, Jesus proclaims recovery of sight to the blind. Again, who are these blind people? I mean, is this just Jesus proclaiming good news for those who cannot see? Is Jesus simply speaking about healing eyeballs in people? Well, I think he certainly is talking about that. And in fact, Jesus did that a number of times where he healed people's eyeballs. They couldn't see, and Jesus had an interaction with them, and now they can see. And I want to believe and do believe that indeed this same thing can and does and still happens. And we still should ask the question, does Jesus mean more than just healing eyeballs? I wonder if Jesus also here means to open our eyes to see the reign of God breaking in. I wonder if here Jesus means that he intends to open our eyes to see the Spirit of God at work among, among us. I opened this morning our worship service by commenting that, Lord, we do want to welcome you here. And at the same time, we acknowledge that actually, God, you welcomed us here. You were here long before we arrived. You know, your presence here is no surprise to God. He's the one who's gathered you. He's the one who's brought us together. The Spirit of God is at work among us. Do you see it? I love sometimes in our Pacific Kids ministry how uh, the leaders there talk about God's sightings. We're teaching our kids how to see God, how to see the Spirit of God moving in the world. Open our eyes, Jesus, that we wouldn't be so spiritually blind. God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel saying, about the people of God, he said, you live in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see, but they do not see. Who have ears to hear, but they do not hear. Jesus says, I have come to make blind people see. I have come to open your eyes to what I am doing in the world so that you can get on board with me. So that you can participate, partner with what the Spirit of God is already doing. Isn't this good news? Lastly and fourthly, Jesus proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. What are you talking about, Jesus? Isn't every year the year of the Lord's favor? Does the Lord not have favor on us and during you know, some years? What is this? Well, let me uh, just briefly explain. So the year of the Lord's favor is a reference to the Jubilee year. The Jubilee year is a... A whole year of Sabbath every seven years. All right. So, uh, sorry, a whole year of Sabbath after seven cycles of seven years. So every 50 years, the whole year was intended to be a jubilee year or the year of the Lord's favor. And what the year of the Lord's favor essentially was, was it was like hitting the reset button in Israel. Literally, reset, start over, go back to the starting line. And what this meant was that all land that had been sold would be returned to its original owner. Because you see, in, uh, in the ancient world, property wasn't bought and sold as an investment strategy. The only reason you would sell property is because you were indebted to someone and it was the only way out. Right? You were stuck, you were trapped and you had to give away your land or become a slave. And the year of the Lord's favor, every 50 years, all of the land would go back to its original owners. All debts that had been accumulated would be forgiven. All Jews who had been sold into slavery because they could not pay their debts were to be set free. Can you imagine? At the heart of the Jubilee year or the year of the Lord's favor is God's longing to see his people liberated. Remember, Jesus comes to proclaim release for the captives and freedom for those who are oppressed. And it turns out that personal and social sin in any culture automatically leads to the oppression of one group of people by another group of people. We see it happen over and over again. It is the cycle of history. And the injustice that this oppression brings only increases through attitudes, through socioeconomic realities, even through legislation. That's a fancy way to say the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But the year of the Lord's favor the year of the Lord's, Lord's favor offers liberation from that trend. Individuals and groups who become oppressed because of the ever-widening socioeconomic gap are set free by the leveling of resources. Now some of you are maybe getting nervous because you, you maybe just thought to yourself, wow, Pastor Peter, that sounds like socialism. No comment. I'm just telling you about the year of the Lord's favor as it's outlined in our scriptures. The chasm between the rich and the poor is narrowed. And Jesus Christ, he announces the beginning of the end of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer trend and all of the injustices that accompany that. Jesus says, I have come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Not every 50 years, but now. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom from oppression. Now, it's one thing to say all these things, right? It's one thing to preach this stuff, but it's a whole nother thing to actually do this stuff. Uh, Because these are big claims, these are big words, but without action, they're just still big words and big claims. But Jesus. Immediately after leaving the synagogue on that Sabbath, you can just you read about it. start in Luke chapter four, and just keep reading. Immediately Jesus starts putting this stuff into action. He produces sight for those who are blind. He produces freedom for those who are oppressed. He produces uh, freedom for those who are held captive. Whether it's through the healing of diseases, the cleansing of lepers, the casting out of demons, the reinstating of the dignity of women, or breaking down huge social and religious barriers. Jesus didn't just talk about it, he produced it. He made it happen. Jesus made that stuff happen in people's lives. And he can make it happen in your life too. Do you feel oppressed? Is there some burden that just feels like it's an enormous weight that holds you down or holds you back? Do you feel stuck in a cycle of sin? There's freedom in Jesus. Do you feel as though you can't make your way forward because you don't know where to go? Do you feel like you're like you're walking in the dark, like you're functionally blind? Friends, Jesus offers us sight. When we trust in him, he directs our paths. Psalm 119 tells us that your word, O God, is a lamp unto my feet, directing my path where my feet should go. And Jesus is the living word. He is the lamp that lights the way. And you know what? This is exactly what Jesus aims to do. He aims to make this stuff happen in your life. He aims for you to become a partner in, partner with him in the preaching of and the producing of the rest and the reign of God. This eyesight, this freedom, this good news for those who are, who are poor. Jesus calls us to join him in bringing good news to the poor. He calls us to join him in proclaiming sight for those who are spiritually blind, freedom for those who are oppressed. Jesus calls us to do the same things that he did. He even prayed at one point. It's recorded in John chapter 17, I think. I don't know. Maybe it's 14. I think it's 17. Father, as you have sent me into the world, so I send my disciples. How did Jesus come into the world? Well, first of all, he came into the world. He went into the world. He showed up in people's lives. And what did he do? He proclaimed good news. No, he brought good news. He helped people see. He set people free. Just as Jesus preached and produced this stuff in people's lives, he invites you and me, ordinary people, to join him in the preaching of and the producing of the rest and the reign of God. Friends, I didn't intend to do this, but I started this morning by talking about our Christmas offering. A big, bold ask. What's that about? It's about being able to do this. This is what it's about. This is what Jesus has called us into. This is what Jesus has invited us into. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's about partnering with him to help people who aren't here yet know the good news see the good news, experience the good news, enter into the good news, and then become partners with us in that good news. Jesus preached it. He produced it. And he calls you and me to partner with him in it. Krista and I were at a friend's home last week, and they showed us a wall in their daughter's bedroom. Uh, their daughter doesn't live with them anymore, but while their daughter was l- still living with them, she, um, she wrote in this beautiful handwriting like calligraphy, she wrote uh, these words on her wall. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. She heard Jesus call to partner with him, to partner with him in the preaching and the producing of this good news. Those words describe Jesus, who was the one Anointed for this. Those words also describe that young lady who is anointed for this, to partner with Jesus in this. And those words describe you and me. We've been filled with the Spirit. We've been anointed, empowered, and equipped to partner with Jesus in proclaiming and producing the rest and reign of God. It's good news for the poor. It's freedom for those who are captive. Friends, go. (laughs) Preach it. Produce it. And ask the Lord to empower you and strengthen you to do it. Let's pray. Jesus, your word says that unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. And we know, Jesus, that unless you empower us, unless you go before us to preach and produce this amazing stuff in the world, in people's lives, freedom and sight and good news and the Lord's favor, unless you do it, we're just gonna labor in vain. We're gonna do a bunch of busy work. And so God, we ask that you would do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, that you would fill us and that you would empower us to partner with you. Jesus, we know that you'll do it because you've, you've called us to partner with you. Won't you give us the tools and equipment necessary to do what you have called us to do? We believe that you will, Jesus. I pray for each one here, that you would anoint each one. that you would anoint us with your presence and your power so that we can become full participants in the preaching and production of good news for the people who aren't here yet, for the folks who've never even heard the gospel, which is commonplace now, especially among younger generations. Help us to be your voice. Help us to be your hands. Help us to be your feet. Jesus, we know you'll do it. And so we pray with faith. And we pray with anticipation. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpcbeach.com.